the 19th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I am a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boy. So this past week was a doozy to say the least. Um, I only covered eight hours of Fox primetime in addition to doing the fourth and fifth installment of the select committee for the January 6th riots. And this is why I only did eight hours, because Friday, um, as most of my listeners would know, the Roe v. Wade decision that was uh, ruled originally in 1973 that gave women the right to abortion and other reproductive rights in this country was overturned by this extremely conservative SCOTUS. And that that just completely dominated everything. So PBS did a four-hour special on Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, Fox News, every single minute of the primetime shows was dedicated to Roe v. Wade being overturned. So I've decided to do a special another bonus episode of the podcast and a newsletter to the commentary and how they both broke this down. I haven't even watched it yet, the PBS footage yet, because it's just so much. I had so much on my plate last week. And then, if you probably are very newsworthy, you know that at the last minute, the um, January 6th committee decided to do another hearing (laughs) tomorrow. And I I just start laughing because I'm already exhausted. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But that is the news in a nutshell. You cannot predict. It is not a nine to five job, as I've learned in grad school. It's one of these things where it's like, if the news hits, the news hits and you gotta go with it. I'm just seriously exhausted. But you know, hey, it's an opportunity and I'm running with it. So I'm just, because this is gonna take a while, because these always do, they're longer when I do the hearing. So we're gonna just go right into the headline. Fox News, Triumph, the insult comic dog is storming the Capitol. January 6th committee, day four and five. Here's the lead. A typical Fox News viewer might think that Triumph, the insult comic dog, had tried to overthrow the U.S. government in a puppet uprising. They might also think their guns were going to be confiscated by federal officials and that both President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris were doddering fools who could barely function. Both Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson dedicated quite a bit of time again at the arrest of crew members from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. This was the second week they chose to focus on it. For starters, they're recycling a story from last week that no one else cares about. I'm sorry, unless you're like a huge Stephen Colbert fan. I don't know why anybody's like, ooh. Basically what happened is some crew members stayed a little bit beyond their welcome. And because everybody's on edge after what happened on January 6th, the crew members got arrested and were were briefly detained and then let go. They did not injure anyone. They did not damage anything. They didn't break windows. They didn't storm the Capitol. It's just a stupid, dumb incident. And Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity both wanted to milk it for all it was worth. 
but especially Tucker. So what I included as a screenshot, I did this on Twitter and I put it in the newsletter, was I always do these highly detailed spreadsheets of like every single segment. And I looked at this, this spreadsheet last Monday and I just said, you've got to be kidding me. That is pathetic. So I took a screenshot of it and <laughs> stuck it in the newsletter and stuck it in a tweet. And it is almost 14 minutes worth of Stephen Colbert crew arrest. Okay. Then two and a half minutes on gun control paranoia. And then two segments, four minutes, four minutes total of Joe Biden fell off his bike, which is also from the week prior. It just, are you kidding? Is there any news in this? Because I don't think that's news. I really don't think that's news. I didn't include the um, stories Fox News has ignored because there's so many of them. And these, when I talk about the June, January 6th committee hearings, it's so incredibly long that it. I just don't want these podcasts to turn into like two hours. So I might include a big long list without going into too much detail into the, the next week that's going to be more normal. Um, just as like an overview. And as an example of one story, um, this one was pretty good. Like Sean Hannity loves talking about Afghanistan because he likes to bring it up and, you know, this big negative story. And of course, there's this horrific earthquake in Afghanistan that he could have brought up, but he didn't. And I also did some math and figured out that Hannity and Tucker combined spent a total of 2% talking about the January 6th committee hearing. They just don't want to talk about this, which is why they would rather spend an inordinate amount of time talking about the Stephen Colbert crew getting arrested at the Capitol for basically being annoying. So this next segment is actually from Hannity, and it's Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, which is one of the characters in the Stephen Colbert show. And if you know the character, it's this like cheap rubber looking puppet with a stogie with like a cigar in its mouth and it just like insults people. That's the whole point of the, the, the shtick. So they're still trying to make this into like this big, huge story when I, no one else, and they were like, no one else is talking about this. Yeah, because nobody cares. This is stupid. Um, but this segment was kind of fun because when I tweeted it, one of my followers, and I don't remember who, and I apologize for not remembering who because I have so many people who comment and I can't keep track of everything, but they had made kind of a dig to Joe Concha who appears in the segment. And Joe Concha tweeted at this person and I was like oh exciting because <laughs> I follow all the Fox people so when they tweet I immediately know that they've tweeted at the account so I jumped on it thinking this would be kind of fun and I was going to joke going to chime in with like wow you have a lot of time on your hands because <laughs> my account's really small compared to other people who cover Fox anyway tiny tiny compared to these other much much bigger accounts um but somebody had deleted it so it was gone and anyway, I just thought that was funny. Um, Greg Gutfeld has tweeted at me, and I fell over laughing when that happened. So yeah, if they think that that's going to intimidate me or get me to stop tweeting, oh, hmm. yeah, no. Anyway, so this, <laughs> um, I mean, I dealt with the Proud Boys. This is like, Fox News is nothing. So the next one is, uh, this is the clip. I'm going to play a little bit of it. I know visually, if you've never seen, this is audio, and if you've never seen, um, the way it's filmed is the, the, the dog, you don't, it looks fake. It looks like a very obvious puppet and it has this cigar and it comes up to people and it just kind of insults them. And that's it. That's the shtick. It's just silly. So this includes some of the insult, triumph the insult comic dog 
Could you segment. imagine, Sean, if seven Fox News staffers were arrested at the Capitol and put in jail overnight for unlawful entry into that building, what the media coverage would look like? And, and, and of course, so far, the broadcast news networks, we've seen an almost complete blackout of the Colbert 7. If this was Fox, the, 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 the fainting couch store would run let's out of fainting couches in this industry. For, let's take it a step further. Let's yeah. call it the Hannity 7. I especially when it comes from one of the most distinguished and accomplished journalists I have ever worked with, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Reportings of the president uh, talking about the early days of Ukraine. Republicans say, as the Senate convenes in the Capitol, many of us were not given press credentials. But this reporter will not be denied. So I'll explain this segment a little bit. The reason why you heard everybody laughing is that was Brett Baer from a cl clip from 2020. And uh, the insult comic dog, the puppet, had just shown up in the foreground. It was like basically photobombed the shot. And that's why everybody was laughing because you just, you, you had to kind of look. They kind of zoomed in on it. There's this puppet just like among a bunch of reporters and then this puppet. So that's why everybody was laughing. And the accent is Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. And I'm explaining this because some of my followers are not American. I know because I've checked and just in case you don't know this character. So in this segment you're about to hear, the puppet goes up to a security guard within the Capitol. Again, this is from February 2020. How are you doing? Uh, coming through to the, the... Can't come here. I'm, I'm here to report on the uh, very important uh, waste of time going on in the chamber. You don't have access. No, no, you don't understand. I'm an investigative reporter. Look, I have a scoop. I can't let you, you in. No, no, listen to me. Donald Trump was even more familiar with Lev Parnas than people realize. Look, that's Trump's driver's license. America needs to see this. I can't let you in, sir. Okay. I guess I can't be here. Maybe someone else can come. Okay. Hey, how are you? I'm uh, Chad Pennington. I'm a corporate lobbyist for Big Pharma. Yes. No, I'm very cozy with the senators. They need me in there. You don't believe me? Look, look, look what's in my suitcase, okay? Check it out. Here, I've got Adderall in regular or presidential strain. Hi, I have a one o'clock with Mr. Dershowitz. I am his personal masseuse. This is Triumph, reporting from the greatest deliberative body in the world. For me to poop on. So the Triumph the Insult comic dog clip was not part of the Fox broadcast, but I stuck it on there on Twitter because I thought it was funny and everybody loves Triumph. I mean, how can you not love Triumph? He's hilarious. Um, he's like insulting. He's kind of a throwback before people got all offended by every insult. Anyway... Um, and as a Gen Xer, I got, you got to love someone who breaks the rules, in my humble opinion. So the next one, I'm just going to play it because it's my favorite. Um, I call her the expert of everything. Uh, Laura Trump. Laura Trump. Sorry, Laura Trump. Um, because she does appear on Fox constantly. And they always try to, like, wedge in a justification for having her on. Because, like, what is she other than the daughter-in-law of the former president? Um, and like one time they called her like an animal activist and another time this one they called her with they go well, because you know you you've done triathlons and the one time they had her on and they were like well as a mother it's like they will use any excuse to get her on and she's like the ultimate bogus expert so in this clip it's Joe Biden fell off a bike 
oh my goodness, call the police, but you can't because they've been defunded. Okay, I'm just kidding with the last bit, but no, I mean, they really tried to milk this. It was just, oh, come on. It's true. He is, though, the representation of America around the world. And to have a guy that can't even ride a bicycle, quite frankly, it is sad to see that. Our allies see that. Our enemies see that. It is just another way America looks weaker and is weaker under President Joe Biden. And, you know, all that's fine. You can criticize a president for falling on a bike. But here's the thing. I mean, your father-in-law, Donald J. Trump, had like an incident every other day where he'd do something completely crazy. And they act like he was crazy like a fox. And he was so crazy, he kept everybody else on guard because they didn't know what he was going to do. And I'm like, no, he like didn't know how to deal with an umbrella and he just dropped it. He had toilet paper on his shoe. He'd wander off into weird directions because he didn't know where to go. He'd say incredibly stupid things on stage. He made up countries in Africa because he didn't know how to pronounce things. So he just made stuff up. His tweets were insane and they constantly crazy. He went over to Europe. All the other world leaders are walking to the next event. And he gets in a little cart because he just can't be bothered to walk. He's pushing people out of the way. He's he's like his daughter shows up to, you know, world conferences and, and tries to like just, hey, I'm just here. I'm an unelected child adult child of the president. I'm just going to talk shop with you. I mean, are you kidding me? People thought he was nuts. Not crazy like a fox. It was, it was like, this guy's an idiot. So if you're going to use the crazy old man metric, I wouldn't because, uh, you got the best example. I mean, right there in your family, just saying. So next up, we're just going to go right into the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol day four. Day four was two hours and 23 minutes, if you take the commentary and commercials out. The duration of the commentary on Fox News was 16 minutes. They really only covered that one recess. Um, they did not have commentary before. They did not have really any reasonable commentary after. They had a very brief statement. That was it. The panel, the voices you're going to hear, and I'll, I'll break this clip up, are John Roberts, Anita Vogel, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, um, they're all Fox News. They're more on the Fox, the, the legitimate Fox News, because they do actually have legitimate journalists. And then they also have two lawyers, Jonathan Turley and Andy McCarthy, who are frequent guests as Fox News legal analysts. And to do a quick recap before I play the clip, which I'm going to break up, um, day four was dedicated to how Trump influenced um, or tried to influence election officials in Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. So that's what we're going to hear. And the first voice you hear is John Roberts, who looks a lot like another Fox News personality um, named Trace Gallagher. Freaks me out. They're like the same person, but they're not. Bauer's entire testimony that he believed he was being asked to do something illegal and just said he was absolutely not going to do it, despite the fact that he was a big President Trump supporter and wanted the president to win re-election. In an effort to overturn an election that the officials inside, including the White House counsel and other Trump campaign officials, were saying is not there. It's just not there. Okay, the second voice you hear is Brett Baer. He's one of the more stalwarts of the legitimate news on Fox. And you, they start off kind of normal. They're just saying, well, this is what happened. There doesn't appear to be fraud. And yet someone was trying to influence them to say there was fraud and then they start to pivot from there this next voice is martha mccallum and she's another uh like more legitimate reporter 
there is no opposition questioning. And, I, and I, mm. I think that most of these people would hold up quite well under it, probably. Um, but I think that it would lend a little bit more credibility to it to have someone in that room saying, yes, but what about this? And what about that? Um, it is very compelling. And the lack of evidence is the huge, stunning, clear moment here where these people are saying, look, I've supported you. Please give me something to work with. And it simply doesn't materialize. Yeah. So now the next voice you hear is Anita Vogel again, and we're going to take another crazy pivot in a totally different direction. And, you know, the committee wants people to be outraged about this. It is outrageous. But isn't that exactly what's going on now outside mm. the homes of the Supreme Court justices? And like you said, if there was another side in the hearing here, it might be a little more balanced. We remember what happened to these people who would not toe the line with the president and Rudy Giuliani and what they went through. And we are also sympathetic to what's happening now to these Supreme Court justices ahead of this monumental decision, which we expect to get perhaps even later this week um, mm. in terms of these kinds of protests and harassment and behavior that we see on both sides. And we need to call it out for what it is clearly on both sides as wrong. So there's some truth to what they're saying and that, yes, the SCOTUS are being harassed election workers are being harassed and that's wrong. I agree. Here's the main difference though. The election workers were being harassed by the president himself. He was still the president of the United States when this happened. He was going on media appearances. He and his cronies and the people who worked for him were calling out private citizens by name. That's a huge difference. Number two would be the SCOTUS has US, the SCOTUS justices have US marshals uh, surrounding their homes they have local police, they have security, because they should have security, because they shouldn't be have their lives in danger. Even if you don't agree with anything they've ever said or written or any ruling, they should be protected. But someone like Lady Ruby and her daughter Shea Moss do not have protection. They can't afford it. They'd have to call the police. The police would be like, wouldn't even really know how to handle something like that. So that's a huge major difference. And the time that this commentary aired when they're discussing this and they're comparing what the election workers went through with what um, SCOTUS is going through, the SCOTUS justices, this occurred before we got to hear the testimony of Lady Ruby and her daughter, Shea Moss. Now, PBS, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, what all, all of those other networks did is they had commentary after we got to in be introduced to Lady Ruby and Shea Moss. But because Fox didn't want to be bothered with that, None of these commentators had seen these two women yet. Their their testimony hadn't happened yet. So it, it makes that even weaker. And the other thing that I'll add is when you're an elected official um, or you have an appointment like a Supreme Court justice, you have to walk into that with the expectation that, yes, you will be lauded and people will love you and you'll be in history books. But it also comes with criticism and people who don't like you. And that's just part of the job. And I don't think anyone should be protesting in front of their homes because I just don't think it's effective. And I, I think it just makes the whole movement look bad. I think what would be more effective is, you know, put people in front of an abortion clinic because they've always been a target. And uh, right now, everything is so scary. Just having people there would be better. So not to go off on a tangent, but that I, we're still in day four, but that clip made me crazy. I was jumping out of my skin going, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Supreme Court justice who has U.S. marshals in front of their home is not the same as a lowly, low-paid private citizen being harassed by the president of the United States. It's just not the same thing. So 
Here we go. More clips. This is Jonathan Turley, a legal analyst. Well, I, I think that they were absolutely right about how having an opposing side, not on the riot itself or on these mm -hmm. elections, but just having questioning from the other side uh, of the aisle would have added greater credibility. And I don't think it would have undermined this powerful testimony. Okay, the next voice is Andy McCarthy, the other lawyer on the panel. I would just say is that if you had a different perspective being presented here, I don't think that would be very helpful to President Trump per se, because the evidence pretty clearly shows his unfitness. It even suggests that he may be guilty of a crime. Maybe, maybe not. There's arguments on both sides. But what I would highlight here is the plausibility gap. There's a big difference between saying that Trump had a scheme that attacked every tier of government versus how likely this was to succeed. I now, McCarthy has used that line of reasoning before in previous commentary. He said, um, well, this isn't very plausible, so therefore this is no big deal. So let's let's go through that logic. So if somebody you knew didn't like you and got together and, and tried to do a murder for hire plot to have you executed, and it was a very goofy plot and the person wasn't very good at hiding his tracks, but he involved, you know, 12 other people in this crazy plot and got caught and got arrested. Now, wouldn't you want that person to go to jail for trying to kill you, even if they weren't very good at it? Of course you would. Attempted murder is still a crime, just like attempted everything is still a crime. If it's, you know, I mean, this is getting goofy, especially when you're involving with Trump. He involved so many other people in this insane plot, and he tried to intimidate just, just on people in different states, people, and we'll hear later in the Department of justice, people within his own administration, his attorney general, just goes on and on and on and on. So give me a break. Yeah, it wasn't plausible, not very plausible, but he could have gotten away with parts of it. Like, ah, anyway. So moving on to PBS. On the panel, we had Nicole Ellis, Laura Baron Lopez, and Judy Woodruff, all of PBS NewsHour. And they invited on Tammy Patrick of Democracy Fund, former Maricopa County election official. And Al Schmidt, and that's one was super exciting because he's the former Philadelphia city commissioner and he was a witness on the second day of the hearings. Um, PBS also spent 53 minutes total in coverage of this by comparison to Fox's 16 minutes. Now, I did make a chart comparing Fox to PBS. But in the case of the chart, I used only the recess commentary, which is the same length approximately, so it was fair. Um, I have some great quotes in here from the guests that were on PBS. They basically spent a lot of time on the two black election workers from Georgia, the, you know, the, the people who were not elected, who were low paid, um, you know, just ordinary citizens who helped out with an election and found themselves being absolutely terrorized by none other but the president of the United States. Um, and just how horrible and how traumatized they'd been. And they talked about it on PBS and they showed it, how the committee members came down and start hugging them and expressed sympathy. And it was just very moving. They literally spent half the like commentary at the end just talking about Lady Ruby and her daughter. That was like half of what PBS talked about and how horrific it would be to be a private citizen and go through something like that. I can't, I can't imagine. I've dealt with some drama from Proud Boys and I've not had anything close to that. Um, so I also have this 
I love my charts. I'm a, such a nerd. So I made a chart where I compared words between the commentary and PBS and Fox, and it was very telling. Uh, it was very illuminating. Uh, you can see it on the, it's better to, sh to see it than to hear it. But one thing that was a huge difference was like electors mentioned six times on Fox, mentioned once on PBS. Georgia mentioned twice on PBS, mentioned seven times on Fox. Um, and things like both sides mentioned three times on Fox, not mentioned at all on PBS. Um, and just the differences were just kind of telling about how much emphasis Fox put on something and PBS did not. So, and then we go on to day five. And this is where things got really crazy for this one, for me. Uh, for reasons unbeknownst to me, Fox made it very difficult to get this footage. I jumped around from streaming service and I would find things that would just say not available for streaming. Then I went to Fox Nation and they just showed a raw feed. They had no commentary, nothing, just, just blank. It would just show people milling about the room during the break. And I'm frantically going all over the internet trying to find this. I have a backup plan for tomorrow. I'm not going to say what that backup plan is, but other people are helping me. That's all I have to say. And I do think that this is on purpose, not because of my tiny account, but because of other accounts like mine. Fox does not want people to see this. They don't want anyone to notice. And on day five, guess what? Fox News was part of the show again. They were evidence. Ouch. So I show a screenshot of what I was putting up with on um, day five. It was frantic. I was losing my mind because I was like, I have to get this. I have to. And I did get it. I did get it. But huh, not easy. So the actual comment, the actual hearing was two hours and 15 minutes. The duration of the commentary was 13 minutes. And the two clips that were used from Fox News as evidence was Trump's first television interview since he lost the 2020 election was on a Fox News show hosted by Maria Bartiromo. I'm going to say her name wrong. It's Bartiromo. I just said it wrong. But hey, I got close. And then the next one, they didn't put a date on it, but was Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio, a Republican. And oddly, it's the same host. And he basically is reporting, they're reporting from looks like the Congress, and he basically is saying the same kind of, oh, there was an election fraud, there was widespread fraud, and he doesn't provide any evidence. It's that sort of clip. Now, this first voice you're going to hear is Adam Kissinger, who is on the committee panel. He's introducing the first clip, which is the one I just described from the show of the host's last name that I can't pronounce. I'm really tired. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm exhausted. Here we go. President Trump started leaning on the Justice Department the first chance he got on November 29th, his first television interview after the election. Where is the DOJ and the FBI in all of this, Mr. President? You have laid out some serious charges here. Shouldn't this be something that the FBI is investigating? Are they? Missing in is the DOJ investigating? Missing in action. Can't tell you where they are. And again, that was Donald T. Trump's voice um, for day five. They focused on how he tried to influence the Department of Justice. Now, this next clip is 
The voice you're going to hear is Representative Jim Jordan. The ultimate date of significance is January 6th. This is how the process works. The ultimate arbiter here, the ultimate check and balance is the United States Congress. And when something is done in an unconstitutional fashion, which happened in several of these states, we have a duty to step forward and have this debate and have this vote on the 6th of January. So you can totally see why he that clip was included, because it's Representative Jim Jordan saying January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. He says it like at least two times in that clip. So he's sort of telegraphing. This is totally insane. But what's even crazier is that they tried the uh, McCarthy tried to put Representative Jim Jordan on the committee to investigate this, where he's obviously part of the conspiracy. So, yeah, no. Yeah, you don't have an opposing voices, but you also don't have people who are part of the conspiracy investigating the conspiracy. So the next up is the clips from the commentary from day five on Fox News. And again, I condensed it. The first voice you're going to hear is Jonathan Turley, another one of the legal experts. What is missing again, unfortunately, is any other side. You know, the fact that this is not a balanced committee is a real shame because, you know, this is powerful stuff. These, they, these, these are very credible individuals. Having someone there to ask probing questions uh, rather than scripted questions, I think would have added greater authenticity and power to this hearing. And the next voice you're going to hear is Neil Cavuto, who's uh, going to bring up Donald J. Trump and his opinion of the committee, which is very, very helpful. Indeed, uh, President Trump had said much the same, Brett Baer, that uh, uh, that was, a, a, you know, bungled by Kevin McCarthy. Now, the next voice you're going to hear is Brett Baer, um, who brings up Jeffrey Clark, who's sort of the main character in day five. Jeffrey Clark being the one malleable lawyer who was completely unqualified that Trump wanted to put in the top position of attorney general and involved this crazy scheme with like getting them to sign a letter to nullify Georgia or at least put Georgia into question. And it, it's crazy. It's it, so, yeah. And all the other attorneys were going to resign if Trump got his way. You think it's interesting, however, that federal agents searched the home of Jeffrey Clark uh, just yesterday. We are now, Neil, 536 days after uh, that meeting and where there's this implication that Clark is going to be inserted uh, as the head of DOJ, as the acting attorney general, and there's this, all this pushback and resignations that they say will happen. Why is it that long? Uh, why is it time to this hearing? Well, it's certainly possible, Neil. I've always thought, and I continue to think, that this process is a proxy for the investigation that they failed to do 17 months ago in connection with the post-January 6th impeachment. And I think that continues to be borne out. They're suggesting the criminal justice system as a substitute, I would say a poor substitute for that. They basically want to uh, indict him for an impeachable offense because the time for impeaching has come and gone. Andy McCarthy was the second voice, and he's, again, another one of the legal analysts. And there's I, like, halfway agree with him, and then I'm like, what did you just say? That's a moment where I go, what? So I guess they were supposed to come up with all of this evidence and testimony in a couple weeks, because that's how much time they had from January 6th. I, I don't know the exact date of the second impeachment, but it was fairly quick, and I don't think that's at all possible. 
And because impeachment's kind of a joke, because if you don't have the votes in the Senate, you're not going to get an impeachment anyway, that it was more ceremonial than anything else. And of course they're going to do this. So I, I'm not really sure what he means. His argument on that is incredibly, incredibly weak, much like the well, if this plan wasn't very plausible, who cares? Yeah, no big deal. He just tried to intimidate dozens of government officials in various states to do his bidding. No big deal. He's an idiot, so we shouldn't care. Now we're back to Jonathan Turley, legal expert. Well, I think they're making a much stronger case than of what we are, we knew. That is, this is that amplification of how many people were saying the same thing, that they had run down these allegations, they were untrue. And that is coming through. But going to Andy's point, it's so scripted that they don't even have opening statements. And it's so controlled, it makes Kabuki look like improvisational dance. I'm so that is Jonathan Turley repeating the same theme he's been repeating. This is too polished. There's no opposing voices. This feels scripted. But I clipped that because of the Kabuki reference. Because I, I would love to place bets on how many Fox News viewers actually knew what the term Kabuki means and get that reference. Now, I was a theater major in undergrad. So, of course, I know what a Kabuki reference is. is a type of Japanese theater that's very heightened. But I kind of doubt your typical uh, Fox News viewer is going to get that. I just thought it was funny because they're always like, we're every man. We're simple. We're normal. Kabuki. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Sure, Brett. Um, listen, the premise here from the chairman, uh, Benny Thompson and uh, Liz Cheney, is that we were on the brink of losing our democracy. If anything, I think this testimony shows not only the Arizona House Speaker, all of the state officials, these officials in DOJ who, again, were working for President Trump, stood up saying we have an oath to the Constitution. If anything, I think it proves that we were not close to that. And even though the president wanted to keep on trying to overturn the election, that there were patriots along the way who said, we can't do this. And um, so I'm not sure that that premise sells with all the witnesses that they're putting forward. But if one of them had buckled, it would be a very different. hundred percent. Right? So we're back to that same weak argument. It basically that Trump was so incompetent and delusional that we shouldn't care. It's the same as like, again, if someone was trying to kill you and you found out that this person had, you know, created this crazy elaborate scheme and gotten all these other people involved and they all turned him down and they went to the police and told the police, would you want that investigated? I think you would. I think you'd want that person to also face consequences for their action. Now, this next clip is what Fox viewers would hear and see when the clock hit five o'clock. Fox News was done with this. They didn't care. And right at five, abruptly at five, they just cut in with everybody's favorite show, The Five. And the voice you hear is Jesse Waters. The Five, the January 6th hearings continue on Capitol Hill with former DOJ officials testifying before the committee. We're going to monitor it for any breaking news. You can watch it live streaming on foxnews.com. But now to another big story we're following. So, yes, that is how Fox ended it, right? Abruptly at five, I went to their website to see what was going on, and they simply had the feed, no commentary, nobody from Fox, just whatever was coming out of the cameras in Washington. That was it. Now, kind of pathetic, I thought. And <laughs> PBS, by contrast, did a lot of coverage before. They didn't do 
much ending co commentary, and I think it's because of the timing, because it was starting to eat into other programming. On the panel for PBS, they had Judy Woodruff, Laura Baron Lopez, Nicole Ellis, and Lisa Desjardins of PBS NewsHour, all four of them. And I get a kick out of her last name. My mother was a French teacher, Francais. So Lisa Desjardins. And they always say it right, which cracks me up. Okay. And next up, they have Andrea Bernstein, who is the co-host host of a podcast that everyone keeps telling me to listen to. I just don't have a lot of free time. The podcast is called Will Be Wild. It's supposed to be amazing. It's dedicated to January 6th. And then they had Michael Zeldin, who's from a former DOJ from Ronald Reagan. So it's definitely a Republican. And he currently is with the Institute of Politics at Harvard University. And the biggest difference, and I do chart this on the newsletter. I did a word count. I do, I love doing word counts. And the, the biggest difference is you could see in the chart that PBS discussed the evidence that was presented and Fox News complained about, we, we, this is too scripted, this is too polished, you're not getting an opposing voice, and they came up with goofy theories. Fox, PBS discussed Jeffrey Clark 13 times. Fox mentioned him once. And again, this is only in 13 minutes. Trump was mentioned 12 times, Fox mentioned him nine. The word resign or resignation was mentioned nine times on PBS, twice on Fox. Another one that was very telling was Letter, which was kind of the whole key to this conspiracy, was mentioned five times on PBS, only mentioned once on Fox. Same with Georgia. So you're getting a, a feeling just from looking at the word count of where these two uh, networks were and where their focus was. Fox did not want to talk about the evidence, so they just avoided it and were like, oh, this is polished. We need an opposing voice, yada, yada. Let's just move on. Now, coming up for tomorrow, because this was a last minute edition, the extra hearing, and they won't even tell us who the witnesses are. So I'm on bated breath. I have no idea what's going to happen. Because I had to go through so much drama to get that 13 minutes of commentary from Fox News because they were kind of hiding it all over the internet. I could not get it. And on YouTube, they show the committee hearing, but they cut out the commentary. And it's very abruptly cut out. It's very obviously cut out. So I have people helping me, friends of mine who are, I'm not going to say what they're doing, but I have a legion. <laughs> we will get this coverage by hook or by crook. Fox may not show it. Fox may just say, you know what? We don't have to show it. And by law, they don't have to show it. Freedom of the press includes the fact that they don't have to show something. So they're under no obligation to show it. They may not. They might just skip over it. I'm prepared for anything. And if that happens, that happens. I'll find something else to report on. Trust me. So um, this, I'm planning to do uh, a podcast newsletter just for Roe v. Wade because I know I have a lot there. Um, based on guests, I'd love to see the comparison with guests. Uh, PBS, to their credit, was doing a great job of going pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro-abortion, anti-abortion with their guests. They went back and forth, back and forth, and I've already clipped a bunch of stuff from PBS. I'm going to kind of handle this one a little bit differently because it is just four hours on each network because um, PBS did a whole four-hour segment just on this topic. And um, I'm also going to be covering this week Hannity and Tucker because I'm assuming we're going to be in the same. We might get another, who knows, we might get another January 6th hearing. It's going to be weird. 
Um, so the other podcast for Roe v. Wade might be coming out tomorrow. It might be coming out on Wednesday. I'm not sure this whole adding another hearing day was through me for a loop. I also want to announce that I have officially started my Patreon. People asked about it. And um, very quickly, I'm going to go to the names and read them out because it means so much to me that people are helping out this project. So I am paid a salary. It is rather humble. Um, and I do have some expenses for this project and I'm trying to get better software. So um, some people have already donated and I'm saving up for uh, basically better audio software and better video capture software. Um, but I'm gonna read these names. This is brand new. Um, the first one is Andrew Wright. Thank you so much. My first patron also is Joe McFadden who wrote me a nice little note. That's very sweet of you. And then Sizzle Dizzle, who's a friend of mine, who is a burlesque performer in New York. She's fabulous. Check her out. Sizzle Dizzle. And then I hope I don't mispronounce your name. I'm so sorry if I do. Dave Fugelso. Fugelso. That's what it looks like. Thank you so much. I have four patrons and that to me is a lot. So I'm very excited about that. And um, I will keep promoting it. And you don't have to, but I want to keep, I definitely want to keep the newsletter podcast 100% free for the moment and who knows what the future brings, but I wanna definitely keep that uh, free and accessible to anyone to get as many people because that's the whole point of this is to get people on this train of let's fight back against this propaganda machine. I'm a tiny, tiny account, but they must be a little bit scared of me because I know their PR people follow me. <laughs> I know they do. So that cracked me up when that happened. And again, check me out on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I'm going to be adding some stuff to YouTube next week because I think I'm going to take a week off because this has been so brutal with January 6th. I'm still going to be working. I'm just going to be taking a week off of analyzing media. Although who knows, maybe it'll be crazy and I'll jump in. Um, and I'm going to try to build out my YouTube presence a little bit. Uh, and thank you so much. The cats, Odin and Thor, thank you as well. And be back here with the next podcast. You'll get an email. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.